Hey everybody, welcome to the Toowoomba Vineyard Church podcast. We are a brand new church here in Toowoomba, Queensland, and we are discovering the joy of following Jesus together. If you want to find out more about what we're up to, stick around at the end for the details. But in the meantime, we hope you enjoy this message. We have started a series in the in Matthew 5, yeah? And a couple of weeks ago, Chris did a, a, a cracker of a, a message on the Beatitudes, you know, the first sort of 12 verses of Matthew 5. And then we were down in Brisbane visiting a vineyard down there, which was great, um, and Mandy spoke about the next passages. Okay, so, we're, so yeah, so Mandy did... Did this one here, June 4, uh, those passages. And I'm looking at Matthew 5, 21 to 37. Um, if you've got a device, you can open it up. I'm not going to read it straight away because I want to, um, a little bit like what Mandy did, is to look at context. It's, and it's really helpful. This is, this passage in scripture, like it's, like, um, not this, this whole Sermon on the Mount series, like three full chapters of teaching from Jesus. It's very significant. Um, and and so I think it's really important to, to understand who, in a way, Jesus was speaking to. Because when we get to the bit that I'm speaking about or going to refer to, it's it's him. He's, he's been quite direct, looking at things like murder, adultery, divorce, and oaths. Like, oh, great, good good quality sermon stuff that is. So I wanna I wanna make sure that we get an understanding of of the whys and the wherefores of where Jesus was going with what he was doing here because it was very significant. So um, now uh, Mandy also spoke about last week about the context of what the Pharisees and the religious leaders were doing at that time and they had moved to a point where they had interpreted the scriptures um, into a really a list of external requirements that, that people had to follow. And so that's what they gave their lives to. Um, and they believed that, that you could follow these list of requirements to a point that you, were, you got them all, you did them all, like, which is sort of interesting to sort of think. But they got to a point where they, as a group of, of sort of people, um, they followed the law so strictly, so carefully that they could actually say, I've done it, which is really interesting to think. And so that's this select group of people who were then, in a way, their responsibility was to then provide religious direction and instruction to the rest of the people. Um, but the way they had done it was that anyone who missed then became classified as a sinner. So for them, because they could follow the law to the T, they could see themselves as fully acceptable before God. And that if you weren't able to do that, well, then you weren't acceptable to God. So there was a, in that culture, there was a lot of in-crowd and out-crowd. Does that make sense? There was a lot of people that, that, that felt, in a way, wondering, does God actually um, include, am I included in God's plan? And, you know, if you had a deformity, oh, there's something wrong with you, out you go. If you can't follow this or you're not wealthy like we are, like if you haven't been blessed by God with provision, 
well, then you can't be part of the team. And so there's a whole lot of you're out, you're out, you're out. And, and a very so this, in a way, the culture that they had developed was a lot of in and a lot of out. And so um, when Jesus was, I think, putting this together, he has this in mind. This question that the people, and remember, even up to that point, we're seeing Jesus spending a lot of time with the people who, in a way, the religious leaders defined as out. And Jesus spent time with them. Remember, he said, oh, you're spending all your time with the sinners and the tax collectors, all the people who thought they had missed God because they didn't satisfy the strict rules of the Pharisees. It's interesting, um, Paul who later, um, you know, he was a Pharisee. God meets him on the road and then gives his life to the Lord and then writes the rest of the New Testament, or almost. Um, even he says in Philippians 3, it says, he's, he's speaking about himself in his past life, so to speak. He says, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. So it was quite... Interesting to think that there was that culture that some people thought they were, in a way, perfect in the eyes of the Lord, fully acceptable to God by their own effort. And so Jesus, you know, he, want, he wanted to come. Mandy spoke last week about this whole idea of I've come not to demolish the law or remove the law but to fulfil it. He came to, in a way, fill it out bring it so people could understand the full breadth of what God was trying to do um, at that time. And so um, that's what Jesus came to do. So in the Beatitudes, he spends this time not saying, do this, don't do this. He spends time saying, it's all about your heart. We sung, one of the songs that we sang this morning was for those who are weak, you, you might have to remind me, those who are weak and thirsty, come with your heart to God. And so the average people of that time were wondering, am I acceptable to God? And Jesus wanted to say to them, if you with your heart seek me out, then you're fully acceptable to God. And I love that. I love um, Matthew 5, verse 3. So the very first sort of passage of the, the Beatitudes in the NLT says, God blesses those who are poor and realise their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So isn't that amazing that, that Jesus said, if you see your lack and your absolute need for God, well, you're in. And that's how... I think in that time, most people felt, they felt their lack. They felt that they weren't measuring up. If we think about ourselves, we go, well, Lord, I'm not perfect. I get it wrong. I need you. Like, I've been a Christian since I was 15, which is about 10 years ago. Um, And so I know I still need God. And so, and I suspect until the day I die, I'm going to be able to, I will be coming to the Lord saying, Lord, I need you today. I haven't worked this thing out to being righteous in my own efforts. And Jesus wanted to confront that in a big way to say, actually, you can't do it yourself. You need me. You need God in your life to actually live 
a life that follows Jesus. So um, that's what he goes about doing. So that's sort of where we've started with the Beatitudes, Jesus basically throwing the doors open and saying, whoever you are, if you're seeking me with your heart, you are welcome. The kingdom of God is open to you. And then he goes, well, well, let's look at this whole law thing. And then Mandy spoke sort of the big picture last week, and I want to look at in more detail this week. So I'm going to read from Matthew 5.21. If you've got it on your device or Bible, let's have a look at it. I'm just going to quickly read through from 21 through to 37. So it's a little bit of a mouthful, but let's go. So you have heard it said to people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or a sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or a sister, Racha, um, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fires of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift in front of the altar and first go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown in prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. There's the next section on adultery there from verse 27. It says, You've heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Verse 31, it has been said anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of adultery and anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard it said said to people long ago, do not break your oath but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Um, All you need to simply say is yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Cracker, eh? Like, woohoo! You sort of read that and go, well, what am I going to do with that? Well... Well, what was Jesus trying to do with this message? And appreciate this is the first part. There's more stuff coming on that he, he addresses and speaks to. Firstly, I think he was trying to show that honoring God's way was far deeper than just satisfying these external requirements. So the Pharisees had said, here's the box. Fix all these and tick your in. But Jesus was saying, hey, wait a minute. Actually, what God was trying to do with the law was to show you how to love God and love others well, which I think we all want to do. I want to love God 
and I want to love each other well. Um, and so Jesus starts looking at this and he says it's not about trying to satisfy these external requirements of the law um, because who, who of us have not been angry with someone and let that linger? Who have, you know, some of us, all of us maybe, have looked lustfully at somebody and realised, wow, that I've committed adultery. Marrying a divorced person is like committing adultery. Those, they're big things. And Jesus was saying, guess what? The law that God wants is far bigger than this little, this little set of rules. He actually, I think he actually wanted to show us you can't do it. You actually can't in your own strength do everything that God requires because he is a perfect God and we are not perfect people. I think he was also challenging the self-righteous attitude um, of the Pharisees, showing that God's true requirements were in essence impossible. So here were these people who thought they were, by their own strength, could make it happen. And he's saying, "Uh uh-uh, you actually can't do it. The intent of the law, the heart of the law, goes far deeper than just a few external things. And I think he also, his heart was there, was to show us um, our need for God's mercy and his grace. And in so doing, if we are in need of God, in need of his grace, well, then we are welcomed into the journey that God has us on. So... If that's what Jesus, in a way, was trying to do in what was happening there, is for, like, if I can't do it, then should I do it? Is following Jesus' way actually important? If I can't actually do it, well, then why do it? Why even try? Well, as I said, the law was given so humanity would know how to love God and love others well. The Pharisees had distorted it, reducing it to a whole lot of these external behaviours. Um, but so if we're seeking to um, obey those directives given to us, it's important to realise that we, uh, as a heart, we, want to, we actually want to love God. We actually want to love others. And so doing, because um, Jesus says in another part of his teaching that unless our righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, we, we can't get into the kingdom of heaven, which must have really thrown the people there that they said that because people looked at the Pharisees and thought, well, you're perfect. How could I be any better than you? But what Jesus was showing was that actually following the heart of the message was more important than these external requirements. And so as we seek to go, Lord, I actually want to love you. I want to love people around me really well and it, that's our heart's desire not just to show that I can be perfect, I can, I can do it in my own strength. That actually includes us. And so um, how do we actually follow Jesus' way? Well, I think the first thing is only with the help of the Holy Spirit. So in other words, we realise, Lord, I want to do it, but the only way I can do it is with your help. And so, And God knew that. And so I find it amazing. He's God. He knows our predicament. And he says, well, what I'm going to do, I'm going to let part of myself, my Holy Spirit, come and dwell within each of us. I still find that a remarkable concept. I don't know about you, 
but to feel like, to know that God has put his spirit within us, not just on a shoulder, not just on the bookshelf, but fully within us to, um, and my, my experience of the spirit being within me is, is that he um, interacts with every part of my life, both consciously and unconsciously. So in other words, when I'm making decisions about things, because the spirit is within me, then he is directing my thinking. Because you know how thoughts pop in? You know how as we're thinking through things, we get ideas and, and we, you know, our imagination is, is, you know, grown? The spirit is right in the middle of that. And so as we, you know, do life, the spirit is interacting with our mind, our thoughts, our thinking, our dreams, our hopes, our passions all the time. And so sometimes we can intently go, Lord, I, I want your wisdom on this, and he'll bring that. But at other times, because he's already in us, he's also already doing that. Does that make sense? But what a gift that is. And so here's Jesus saying the only way you're going to actually live well is to allow my spirit freedom to engage with your thinking, your thoughts, your ideas, to even you know when we're faced with temptation, you know, that the Spirit will be there going, this is not the way to go. And so I love that, that he realises our need for him. So the other, I think the important thing in here is to realise, see, the people in Jesus' day thought that if you could follow these external rules, well, then you got God's tick of approval. But what we now, because of Christ, we go, my salvation is no longer dependent on whether I fully obey the law. My salvation rests completely and entirely and utterly on Jesus. He died so that I may live. He died so that we could know the Father. It's not dependent on whether I'm a little sinner or a big sinner. He died for the lot. He died to clear all of that out of the way so that we could have a relationship with God. So now our, um, our journey in life is sealed because of Christ. And so therefore we, we know we can't earn it. It's, it's a given. It's like it says it's um, uh, God's grace is God's unmerited. In other words, not by our own efforts, his favour, his blessing, his presence, his forgiveness is this wonderful gift of grace. And so as we do life now, we, if we get something wrong, we don't have to go, my salvation is at risk. Does that make sense? Because it's already sorted in Jesus. Jesus already sorted that whole package out for us. And so if I get something wrong, yes, I can come to him and ask him to remove its effect from my life and we ask for forgiveness and he clears that influence out, but it's not about whether we're saved or not anymore. Whereas back in Jesus' day, if you got something wrong, you were then excluded. But now, as Jesus has spoken to us, we are all included as we seek to follow him. And now we are free to do our best to honour him and to love him and to serve him and to follow him the best we can, knowing that there'll be days that we get it right, there'll be days that we get it wrong. Uh, does it, is this making sense? I'm, I'm getting nods. That's a good thing. So... Um,
Uh, God has extended forgiveness to us who confess our wrongdoing and choose a different way to live. In 1 John 1, it says, But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. So we still bring our stuff, but it's not an issue of salvation anymore. It's all about um, having a shower. Some of you are like, oh, I didn't have one of those today. But you know how Jesus said to the guys, you know what? You know, you know when he washed his feet and then and then Bill and Pete washed my said, No, no, no. I just need to like it's a symbolic thing. We wash to keep clean. And so our life now is not worried about whether we're in or out, we're in. All we have to do is keep having a shower. And so and the spirit will challenge us on that. So sometimes if we're getting stuff not good. The Spirit will stir that up and we need to have a shower and clean that stuff off. So if we look at the verses that we read through today, what's, what is Jesus trying to say through those? Well, firstly, that first bit I actually want to call conflict rather than murder. So murder is the extreme response to a conflicted situation, Correct. You don't like somebody. If you really, 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 really don't like someone, you could get to murder them. But what Jesus is addressing is the issue of conflict. What do we do with conflict in our lives? Because I don't know about you, but we all have conflict at some point in our life then. There's somebody that we don't get. It might be a family member. It might be a work colleague. It might be a friend in church. We have conflict. And what Jesus, I believe, is trying to say here is don't wait until you hate somebody so much that you want to pick up a cricket bat, deal with conflict as soon as it arises. Keep short accounts. Does that make sense? Like, come, Because sometimes if we don't deal with a conflict, it festers, you know, and it becomes more and then, and then other thoughts come in and all that, and become, it grows and grows and grows because the enemy loves us to have conflict, but the Lord doesn't want us to have conflict or to let it go on. So... Jesus is saying, don't let it linger to the point where if you're coming up to sort of offer something in church and you feel like there's something wrong, try and go sort it because it's better to sort it quickly. And so deal with conflict in your relationship as soon as it arises. Seek reconciliation and I say where possible because sometimes reconciliation is not possible but in Scripture talks about as much as it is in your capacity live at peace and it's not you must live at peace it's as much as it is in your capacity to live in peace so you may try to resolve a conflicted situation and you've done your best well then God says well done if it doesn't resolve it it doesn't bring reconciliation and sometimes reconciliation is impossible because maybe the person has died maybe there's abuse in a situation it's it's not appropriate to go there so there's There's more to that. But Jesus is basically saying deal with conflict quickly, wisely, well, and as soon as it sort of comes up. So that's the first thing is. Second one is about about lust. Sexual temptation unchecked unchecked, can lead to ungodly thoughts and then behaviour. So deal with it. If we live in a broken world... Um, sex is one of those things that, that is a wonderful gift of God, but yet the enemy has distorted in a whole bunch of different ways. If it, is, if it is affecting you in an ungodly way, again, don't let it linger. 
deal with it, get prayer about it, bring, get yourself accountable to some people who you trust, deal with it well, otherwise it can lead to the wrong path. And I think that's what Jesus was trying to say as well. Marriage. Marriage is a God-ordained relationship that, for our good, but it needs work. You can't just go, yeah, I'm going to get married and we'll do whatever we want. Um, you know, for us, Kath and I, we, we worked at marriage. We went away on retreat weekends to build marriage. You know, sometimes in marriage you've got to sit down and actually say sorry because, you know, when you love someone, they're the people that you can often hurt the most. It's a bummer, isn't it, that that can happen? But it happens. And so it's, Lord, I don't, I want to love this person well to the, to the end of my days, but it, it can't, it's not just a, it doesn't happen unless we work at it. And so um, I think God was, you know, Jesus was trying to say that it needs work which promotes healthy habits and the ability to deal quickly with problems and conflicts. So even we have conflict in marriage. Divorce is not God's best for us, but sadly it happens and causing much pain to everybody involved in involved kids. It's not God's best. It happens. And so, you know, God is a God who forgives, but the whole thing is if we can begin working hard at marriage, then hopefully with God's blessing it, it can be avoided. And the last one there is our words. Um, it's funny, isn't it, because Scripture talks about words are powerful. You know, words can, can destroy. Um, and so Jesus is saying here in terms of what we say is that I think we should be people of integrity where we actually honour our commitments, um, but also simply that our yes is yes and our no is no. And I think that's good because it's, you know, even Jesus talks about a parable about two sons and one says, you know, you're going to come and help me plough in the field. The son that the dad says to his one son, you're going to come and help me plough in the field. And he says, oh, yeah, 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 I'll be there. And he says to the other, the other son, and the other says, uh, yeah, no, I haven't got time. Um, and the guy who said yes didn't show up. The guy who said no did show up. I don't know. In both ways, they, they didn't honour what they'd said. But I think Jesus was saying, just if you say yes to something, let it be yes. Sadly, in our culture, it's a little bit like I'm not going to say anything because then I'll work out five minutes before I go whether I want to do it, you know, which is a funny thing in our culture now. Um, but I think being people of in see, this is Jesus' way. So Jesus' way that we would be people of integrity, that when we say something, we'll follow it through. And if what we said was wrong, that we apologise for it. And I think one of the interesting things about pastoring is when we actually have to say sorry. Um, I remember early in the years I thought, oh, Lord, I've heard all these stories about people being hurt in church. Oh, it's not going to happen here because, you know, we're just not going to let that happen. Yeah, it happened. <laughs> and it's like, and did I get it right all the time? No. And so there were times that I had to stand up and apologise and say, look, I'm sorry. I did it wrong. Um, and, you know, you can make all sorts of excuses, but, you know, if when we get it wrong, we say sorry. And even as a dad, and, you know, there were times I got it wrong with my kids. Which is so funny because I'm so mature. Do you know what I mean? And, and surely I, I should have had it fully sorted and everything I said was perfect and leading the kids in the right way. Um, but then sometimes, you know, when they might have got a bit overly crazy and I'd had a tough day and I didn't have the time to be appropriate, I'd just, ah! you know, and you go, sorry, 
you know, that was wrong. Please forgive me. You know, so um, there are ways to do things well. And I think the way of Jesus, I think, is recognising that we have a broken culture and to do the Jesus way, even though we've got the spirit with us, it takes work. It's hard work. And to and in a lot of extent, it's counter-cultural. Our culture says you're the most important person in the world. Jesus says, no, that's not how it goes. We live a life that is more selfless than selfish. Anyway, even in these few areas that Jesus addresses, his words bring great wisdom for us to lead godly lives. And he challenges us to address issues and temptations before they manifest in actions and extreme responses. That's what he's trying to do. So with our hearts engaged, we can seek to honour God and we can seek to honour the people around us and to love them well, and I think that's his heart there. So I, um, I want to finish, I want to pray, and then um, I think it's just good for us to be able to, because, you know, the culture that we build in church is that, that um, while our journey is to some extent an individual journey with Jesus and we are individually accountable to him, God intently brought us together into community, um, that we would do it together. And um, like it's modelled in the whole idea of marriage, but even so uh, in, the, in the church we get to do this stuff together. And so it's helpful to have people around us. Now it doesn't mean that everyone has to stand up and tell everybody everything, but it's good as this church grows is to continue to build healthy relationships between each other where you can share life journey together and put stuff on the table that needs to be addressed. So, um, you know, if there's things that you feel like you'd like to bring up in prayer with someone this morning, then this is an opportunity to do that. But I think what we'll do, let's put our stuff down, let's stand. I'm going to pray, um, invite God, and um, and also just give him some time to to, by his spirit, to maybe challenge us. I'll invite us to, uh, to pray some more. Um, so, yeah, let's pray. Father, we acknowledge our need for you today. Um, and, Lord, we are so thankful for your presence by your Holy Spirit. Lord, we need you. We need your spirit to help us to follow you and to obey your directions. Lord, we know that what you speak to us through your word is wisdom is good for us. Lord, your heart is to do good in our lives and to work good through us as well. Lord Jesus, we are eternally thankful that through your death and your resurrection, you have brought us forgiveness and that you have set us right with yourself and the Father and the Holy Spirit because of your death, because of your resurrection. We are fully welcome. We are in. We are in your family and we're grateful for that. And, Lord, we want to continue to work. We want to invite you, Lord, to continue to work in our hearts. Lord, we want to honour you, um, not just by our actions but by our thoughts as well, by what happens deep within us. We want all of our lives given over to you. And, Lord, forgive us for thinking that we can do this without you. Lord, 
we, we want to recognize that it's only with you and through you that we can live the best life that you've called us to. And Lord, when it comes to just the stuff that happens in our lives, sin, stuff where we mess up, we get it wrong, things that are broken, Lord, help us to keep short accounts. Lord, to not let things linger and fester. Lord, to not let the enemy um, just invade our thinking and, and turn us the wrong way. Lord, we ask that you'd push back the works of darkness in our lives. Lord, that you'd Lord, release in us just the presence of your spirit to lead us in your way, to love you well, to honour you, to worship you, and to, Lord, to do that to the people around us, to love them well, to care for them, to consider them in all that we do. So Holy Spirit, just come and settle on us. And as we think about the way that we are living even today, Lord, if there's anything that, that needs to be addressed, Holy Spirit, come and do that. If there's things that we're struggling with and today we have a need for you in a particular area where it's just filled, it's really hard at the moment and we really desperately need your help, your work in our lives, whether it's in thinking, whether it's in our bodies, whatever it is, Lord, that we want to come and bring that to you and bring that to, to friends in this church. The Lord delights over you. Each of you here today, he delights in who you are, that you have turned your attention towards him, that you look to him and that you reach out to him. He loves that. Thank you, Lord, that you have set your face to us, have set your presence within us. And so, Lord, today we just want to commit again to the Jesus way, to the way of the cross, to, to following you. And, Lord, we do know that that will push against the humanity in us, the world in us. And so we give ourselves to you again. We give our thinking, our actions, our motivations. We put it all back at the foot of the cross and say, not my way, but your way, Lord. If, uh, if you feel like you would like some prayer about anything, then um, find somebody to pray with. Or if, you've got, if you want someone to pray with you, then you can pop a hand up and we can know who wants some prayer. If there's things that you go, Lord, yep, I need, I need help here.
If there's anybody who wants to do that, pop a hand in the air, which is always just helpful to know. If not, just pray a blessing over the person next to you, which is always fun to do anyway. Amen? Amen. Wow, you made it to the end. Good job. If you want to listen to more of our messages, just search out Toowoomba Vineyard Church wherever you listen to the podcast. You can also check out our website at tvc.org.au and find us on Insta at Toowoomba Vineyard. We'll chuck those links in the notes so you don't have to remember. That's all for now and hope you have an excellent week.